If you have the, the Bible with you this morning, a copy of the scripture, open it to Proverbs chapter three. It's where we're going to be. I told you last year that we were going to spend some time kind of locked into a sermon series in Ephesians, and we've certainly done that, and we'll continue to do that. Uh, next Sunday is our Vision Sunday. Now, I know that the last two weeks have been a little funny because we've sent out late messages telling you that we were only going to have a 10 a.m. service. I'm really grateful that we had the technology to be able to do that, but I want to reiterate our plan going forward is to not just have 10 a.m. services and no life groups. I know it seems like it right now, but we anticipate next week being back fully with life groups and worship services and all that kind of stuff. I talked to a lot of our, our pastor friends in the area, and so many of them were saying, what are you doing? What, are you, what, what do you think we should do? I don't know what to do, and we all felt that way. Uh, I was kind of hanging around the office Thursday afternoon when I, I first heard about this. I didn't know we were even going to be getting snow that we didn't get. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just kind of how it is. Some of y'all didn't, I was, I was just talking, we were talking, Laney and Ivy and I were talking before the service. Somebody didn't flush the ice cubes. You know what I mean? Did y'all ever do that growing up? We were told if you wanted to snow, you dump the ice in the, in the, in the toilet and give it a flush and that would bring the snow. It didn't happen. You know, I don't know. That's just, just a thing. But I, I got to thinking about, you know, this is not what we want, but it's where we're at right now, you know, and, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go on. But I told you a year ago, we were going to preach in a book and stay in a book and kind of live in a book for a while. But I also told you we were going to do something that when we weren't in a book, we were going to preach my favorite passages of scripture. And here we are again, back to some of my favorite passages of scripture, Proverbs chapter three. When we talk about big decisions in our lives. It's something that every one of us is dealing with. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are, uh, but probably I think what, what we would say is that it seems like it's always coming around, that there's a next new decision that you have to make. And that doesn't stop, at least my experience so far, and maybe some of our senior adults in here could give us an amen or something. It doesn't stop when you get older. It hasn't stopped in midlife for me. I thought that there would be a moment where those big decisions were kind of done and, and I wouldn't feel the weight of those things. That hasn't stopped. So if you're a, a teenager with us this morning or you're just starting your career or you're, you're newly married or whatever, you still have big decisions to make. It's gonna happen the rest of your life. And, and some of those things that just, I mean, just this week that have popped up in my life have been, you know, like marriage because I got to do some premarital counseling with somebody this week and that's a big decision. Who am I gonna marry? What, what, what's going on as we take our next steps? How can we prepare to get married. I mean, that, that's a big thing. Thinking about school, where should I send my kids to school? If, if you're a student, where do I want to go when I leave high school? And, and then that starts to answer big questions. You know, what kind of vocation will I choose? I think it's a lot of pressure to put on us, isn't it? To ask an 18 year old that can't decide what they want for lunch, what they want to do for the rest of their lives. You know, I mean, just to be honest, that, that's, that's a heavy thing, isn't it? To say, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? Pick now and study it for four years. That's a big decision. You think about your career, buying a house, buying a car, all those kinds of things happen in our lives. And as we do those things, it might not seem like it, but I gotta be honest with you, all of those things are spiritual decisions. You say, now wait, <laughs> a spiritual decision, does God care what kind of car I drive? Maybe. He might have one picked out for you. If you pray about it and seek the Lord and seek counsel, it's amazing. God leads you to these things. Where should I live? What school should I go to? What career path might I choose? You know, one of the things that we tell kids, and I've said this to you before, is, is that we tell them all the time is that you can do anything you want to do. You just set your mind to it. You can do it. That's a lie. 
It's not true. Do you know how I know it's not true? I'm pastoring and not in the NBA. I thought I was, I'm, I'm in the NBA, the Nashville Baptist Association. I'm not in the NBA. You know what I mean? I mean, I thought I was going to be one day. I, mean, just, I wanted to be. It's, you just can't get there sometimes. So what we're really trying to do then is to figure out as we look at these crossroads in our lives, how do we make the decision to go to the left, to go to the right, or follow straight? How do we know what to do? And I think that the scripture gives us an entirely practical way for making decisions. But this is the thing. It's not a formula. It's really a framework. And, and a formula would say, if you do this, then this is guaranteed to happen. And that's not true. And I'm going to explain why in just a second. It's a framework, though, for making decisions. How do we make those decisions when we come to those crossroads? Well, I think that the scripture gives us some great insights on how we can make any kind of decision, whether it's about the next thing that you need to study or, or the next place that you need to go, even on vacation. I mean, all those kinds of things, the next purchase you might need to make or, or the next, next decision you might need to make for your family. It's all in the framework of scripture. And the reason that I describe it as a framework, it's something that you can build on to make a decision-making process. And the reason that I would tell you that it's not foolproof and why it's not a formula is that formulas can be foolproof, right? But, but this isn't foolproof because there's a variable in this. And do you know what the variable is? You. You're highly untrustworthy. Did you know that? Did you know that you were highly untrustworthy? Can I get you to look at a scripture with me really quick? Jeremiah 17, verse nine. They'll put it up on the screen for us so that we can see it. It says, the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? Our hearts are deceitful. And, 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 and that doesn't change even after we come to know the Lord because we can get really a little bit funny in how we feel about things or, or how we think about things. And you often hear people to say today, just follow your heart. And maybe not. Maybe we ought to remember that our heart is deceitful, everybody's, and we have to follow the truth. And so if we begin with this basic understanding of decision-making, we see it, I think, really outlined for us the basic kind of bottom line in Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 5 and 6. Now, Proverbs is a book written by Solomon, and mostly, I should say, written mostly by Solomon. And, and he writes these for us to be sayings, many times to be taken individually. Now, maybe you've heard it said before, like, if, did you know this? If you read five Psalms in a day and one proverb, you'll read through both books in a month, right? And it's a great way to do that. If you've never tried it, it's really refreshing to do that. And, and to read the Proverbs every day for a season is, is great to have that poured into your life. But here's the thing that, that, that I would remind you is that those Proverbs are really meant to be read one at a time. You know, it's, it's not like it's a chapter of wisdom. Most often, it's often like a, a saying of wisdom and then another saying of wisdom. But as he writes this, he kind of couples a few things together. And we're going to come back to Proverbs in about two weeks uh, in, in this same chapter, actually. But I want to read verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding and all your ways. Know him and he will make your paths straight. I grew up learning that verse in the King James version of the Bible, trust in the Lord with all your heart, all thine heart, lean not on your own understanding, all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Very similar in what it says, but I think this is really important that we see this because all of us ultimately are looking for wisdom in making decisions. All of us are ultimately looking for God's help and blessing and direction in making decisions. And wisdom is really just 
Knowledge applied correctly with God's bent to it. I mean, that's what it is. It's not just knowledge. It's knowledge applied correctly. You can be very, very smart and not be wise because you don't know how to apply wisdom. You don't understand the application of wisdom. But as we look at this this morning, I want you to see it. It's a great framework for us to look at in Proverbs chapter three and verse five. And if we're gonna make good decisions this morning, this becomes really critical as the foundational starting point. And it has to do basically with where you're going to seek to get the answers from when you're faced with the decision. And I think that Solomon helps us to make good decisions by saying that the starting point is trusting God with all of our hearts. Now, that sounds simple, sounds easy, You might even say, well, of course, I do that. I I trust the Lord with all my heart. But it's a really important thing for us to do because if we're gonna trust the Lord with all of our heart, we have to remove the skepticism about what he says and how he would have us order and live our lives. Because a lot of times, if we're being truthful in here this morning, and, and maybe that's a little harder to do because there's a few of us in the room this morning, many more watching online, but if we kind of looked around, we might say, well, yeah, it's easy to say that I trust the Lord, but sometimes I'm skeptical that it's going to work out the way that he says that it could work out for me, and I just don't know. Now, Lord, did, did you really mean that? Isn't that how Satan started the temptation in the garden? Did God really say that this is what you needed to do? Well, he did, but I, I think you're right. I think that fruit looks good. And if I do that, I'm gonna have wisdom and knowledge and I'll know things like God knows and it'll be great. And that was the downfall of man, wasn't it? And it's our continual downfall as well. And if we're gonna have a starting point of trust, it means that we have to trust God with all of our heart if we're going to make good decisions. If we don't, it's impossible to make good decisions. If we're constantly questioning the Lord, if we're constantly looking at what he says in his word and saying, I just don't know, it's going to be impossible for us to make good decisions. Now, if I could stop here for just a second and, and just kind of outline this for, for you, I, I think it'd be very important for you to know. Uh, if you don't have a relationship with God the Father through Christ the Son, you don't trust him anyway. You haven't gotten there. So when we talk about trusting the Lord with all of our hearts, we want to trust him in salvation. And the Bible says this, that we're all sinners and that there is no remedy for our sin outside of Jesus Christ, isn't it? Jesus Christ came and took our sin. He paid for our sin, went to the cross for our sin, died in our place. And God the Father says the only way for us to escape judgment is to place our faith in Christ, to trust him with all of our heart. Oftentimes we'll use that language when we talk to people about becoming a Christ follower. We'll say, you know, have you ever let Jesus into your heart? What does that mean? I mean, how can Jesus come into my heart? My heart's beating right now. And what does that mean? Well, it means that you trust him with all your heart, doesn't it? That you're looking to Jesus to be your savior. And if that hasn't happened, you have no framework for being able to make these decisions in your life that's going to be biblical, certainly, or going to be wise. So I want to encourage you today, if you've never given your life to Christ, let today be the day that you trust the Lord with all of your heart. Stop trying to look everywhere else. Stop trying to listen to other people. Just look to Jesus and let him save you from your sin and trust him with all of your heart today. I promise it'll change your life. We often say around here, that at the end of the service, I'll be standing here. And, and I love to talk to people who are, are ready to make that decision to follow Jesus. 
but you don't have to be in the room with us this morning. You can text that number, 615-833-6600. And one of our pastors will follow up with you today if you're ready to receive Christ as Savior. There's no more important decision that you'll make. And it is foundational to what we're talking about today. To trust the Lord with all of our hearts. But the, the writer of Proverbs also says, lean not on your own understanding." You remember that verse in Jeremiah we just read? Why don't we lean on our own understanding? Well, a couple of reasons. One is our understanding is limited. Are there things that you don't know yet? Probably. Are there things you haven't figured out yet? Certainly. You have a limited scope of understanding. Even an expert in the field of medicine or in the field of science or or, or in the field of architecture or building, there's a limited scope of knowledge. They don't know everything. They haven't seen everything. Our understanding is limited, but when we come to the Lord, his understanding is limitless. Our experience is never the best indication of what we ought to do. Because experiences don't always lead us forward to the right answer when we're making decisions. How can you know how to live in the economic market that we're living in today? Have you had experience like this? I was talking to my dad about this the other day. What a strange situation to be in. You go to the grocery store and you can't buy anything. Things that you've loved and liked and, and whatnot. Uh, there's a cereal that my mother loves and she's, she hasn't been able to find it for months. And I happened to be in a, a drugstore the other day and saw three boxes of it, bought it for her and gave it to her. It's strange. You can't find anything. Inflation seems to keep going up. And yet it's a, a great economy to go get a job in. I mean, everybody's trying to hire. I mean, it, do, it doesn't make sense. We haven't seen anything quite like this in our lifetimes, have we? Where inflation's going up, but stock markets, I mean, it's strange. So experience isn't always the best way to do that. But verse six gives us wonderful truth because it tells us that as we trust the Lord for understanding, he directs our paths. He makes straight our paths. We talked about this not long ago about what it meant for a traveler who was walking on foot to have a straight shot somewhere. Do you remember that? As we were talking about how that was important, that he would make straight the paths. That, that's one of the prophecies about Jesus, that, that he would, would, would level the ground and it would be able, we'd be able to walk on it easily, sure-footed, it would be straight for us. And when it talks about this in Proverbs, as it says, he'll make your path straight. I mean, it's a great thing that he's saying, that he will direct our path so that we'll know what to do. And that's for us to know him in all of our ways, the scripture says, lets us know how we should walk. So when it says for us to know him in all of our ways, and then he will make our path straight, know him at school. Know him at work. Know him in your family. Know him in your financial decisions. Know him in your decisions about getting married. Know him in all of those decisions. Seek him is what it's saying. Know him in those things. And then he will direct your path. And as he directs your path, that keeps you from being detoured. How many people have been detoured and really messed up? If you don't get the benefit of knowing where you're going and you take a detour, it could lead to an exciting and maybe even troubling trip. A couple of years ago, we were uh, out with my brother-in-law and my sister and my niece, and we're riding around, having a great day. And do you remember when that derecho hit and the wind was blowing really hard and trees fell down and all that kind of stuff? And we were about an hour, hour and 15 minutes outside of town, and power lines blew across the road where we were at. You couldn't, you couldn't drive back in the way we did. It's the only way I'd ever come into town, didn't know how to get out back, so... 
Justin and I started talking about where we might should go and I said, well, just turn left because we're going back left anyway. Seemed like a logical thing. GPS stopped working out there in the middle of nowhere after a while and then we came to a road where there was another tree across the road. But thank goodness, what was that guy's name that pulled that thing across the road? Brian. Somebody said, don't worry, Brian's coming with a tractor. Great, how long should we wait on Brian? He'll be here in a few minutes. Brian did come with a tractor and cleared the road for us. But it just led us to another lost road where we were closed off. That hour and a half trip took four and a half hours to get home. I thought it was adventuresome, you know. Others in our party thought it was worrisome, right? If you've ever been detoured, you know what that's like. It's frustrating to not know where you're going and not have the straight path. And that's what the scripture is saying for us. As we come to our decision-making process, we trust the Lord, lean not to our own understanding, knowing that our understanding is flawed. We don't know everything, but we know a God who knows everything from eternity past to eternity future. All of the days that we have in front of us, he knows. As we trust him, he leads us. And one of the great things I love about God is that the scripture says that since we trust him, we can ask him. You don't have to turn there, but I'm gonna read for you. It'll be on the screen in just a minute from James chapter one and verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubters like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. It's a great thing that God tells us to trust him, but he doesn't just leave it there. He says, ask him. So when you come to a, a decision, you don't know what to do, ask the Lord. Begin praying about that and ask God, what, what, what do you want me to do with this? How should I take my next step? What, what should my next step look like, Lord? Should I go left? Should I go right? Should I just wait? Should I be patient? God, what, what do you want me to do? And God begins to direct those paths. And as he does, it's amazing what he says, that if we ask for wisdom, he gives, and these two, these two qualifying words are great, generously and ungrudgingly generously. It's not that God ever gives you just a little bit. It says if somebody's going to give you something generously, it means that they give you more than enough. They, they give you everything you need. It's one thing, you know, like I remember as a kid, you know, asking my dad, like, hey, can I have a little bit of money to go to the movies? And sometimes he would just give me, you know, the, the cost of the ticket. There it is. See you later. But once in a while, he would give me, you know, maybe 20 bucks and the movie was 11 and say, yeah, get whatever you want when you're there. And I don't even need the change. That's generous, isn't it? It's an overabundance of what you needed. I just needed a movie ticket, but I got something extra, an extra added benefit. When God gives wisdom to us, he doesn't give sparingly. He doesn't say, no, 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 you got to work a little harder, work a little harder. No, he gives generously so that when we need it, he says, here it is. Have all of it. You can have it. And ungrudgingly means he never gets tired of it. He doesn't like withhold it like, oh, you again. I think sometimes that's how we think God thinks about us. Uh, Lord, it's, it's me again, and surprise, I don't know what to do. I'm, I, I don't have a clue, Lord. I'm, I'm kind of stuck over here, and I, I don't know what to do. I hate to bother you. I hate to. I know you're busy in heaven, and probably got a lot of things going on, but that's not how God treats us, ungrudgingly. God gets excited. Hey, God, I need some help with this. Father, can you direct my path in this? I don't know what to do. 
Yes, I'm so glad you asked. Keep praying about it. It's gonna be awesome. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna give you a breakthrough there. Or God puts something in your mind and you think, oh, that's exactly what I need to do. And you know, if you're being really honest, you couldn't have come up with it yourself. You'd have no idea. The twists and the turns that come with wisdom, with knowledge applied correctly, is incredible as God gives it to us. But notice what it says. It says, don't ask, doubting. There we are back to that skepticism again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't look at God and say, I mean, if you could help me, would you? That's not how we approach the Father. We approach the Father excited, knowing that he's going to help us, knowing that he's going to be generous in wisdom, knowing that he'll never treat us grudgingly like, oh, you again. No, we come before him, and if we can trust him, then we can ask him. The scripture says as we ask him, don't doubt, don't be double-minded. Double-minded is, I think, maybe best explained or pictured for us in the book of 1 Kings, You might remember the story of Elijah and he's standing there with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and he's about to call down fire from heaven and he uses this great line as he talks to the nation of Israel that's there gathered. He says, how long will you waver between two opinions? Oh, Baal is God, but you know, our parents serve the real God. I I don't know, everybody else is serving Baal. Maybe we, what do you think we should? No, Don't waver. Ask the Lord and trust him because if we're mixing the world's way with God's ways, all it leaves us is battered. Like like that ship, it's saying, like these waves kind of being beat, tossed, and and, and makes us tossed to and fro, the scripture says. It it doesn't work for us. You, you, You can't have a little bit of God, a little bit of the Lord. You have to trust the Lord with all of your heart, asking him for wisdom. And as you do, you can be certain God will give it. I love that God invites us not only into relationship with him as our father, but then he encourages us over and over again. Seek me. Search for me. Call unto me. Knock. Ask. He does these things, these relational words that he's asking us to engage in relationship with him And one of my favorite kind of scriptures that I've said to you before, but it just reminds me so much of what God has in store for us when we don't know what to do. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Well, if I'm being honest, there are a lot of unsearchable things I don't know. I bet there are some unsearchable things you don't know right now too. What, What should I do with this? How can I do it? And God says, mind the depths of my knowledge. Your knowledge is so limited. Your knowledge is frail. Your knowledge is actually weak because your heart will deceive you. But my knowledge is true. I am faithful. You look to me and trust me. And I won't lead you astray. So let me give you three practical steps for how to deal with these things in your life. Because if we have a foundational understanding that we have to trust the Lord, and then we know that because we trust him, we can ask him, here are just three things, practical steps for you this morning. Number one, if it's clear in the scripture, you don't need to seek wisdom on anything else. You got it, it's done. There's no asking anybody else. So, so if it's clear in the scripture, stop trying to jump around plain truth and, and do spiritual gymnastics to make it work in the way that you want it to. Just take the scripture for what it says it is, 
and trust God. And I know that that's hard for us to do sometimes because the world thinks we're crazy. We look so out of step, particularly now in our own country. Uh, it wasn't that way when I was growing up. A lot of times in our country, we looked like we were in step with the country. That's not true anymore. But guess what? That's how it's always been, really. It's always been that way. If we're out of step, let's be in step with God and out of step with our culture. That's okay. If the scripture tells us something, we don't need to go any further. That goes back to, to Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord. Trust what he says. If he says it, you can take it to the bank. Just trust him with it. Lean not on your own understanding. Secondly, ask God for wisdom. Because when you don't know what to do, you can trust that he does. So if it's in the scripture, just stop. Obey. Do what he says. Maybe sometimes there's, there's a, a principle out there that we're waiting to guide us, and it's just not clearly spelled out, right? Some of the things that we're dealing with in our lives are not clearly spelled out in the Scripture. Somebody asked me not long ago uh, about the idea of what was sweeping across our nation with the legalization of marijuana, and what would that mean for a believer and whatnot. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I've read the Bible a few times. I've never seen the word marijuana in it. So how do we deal with that? Well, their biblical principles aren't there. We can ask God for wisdom as we read the scripture and the Holy Spirit will speak to us. And I think there's some great things that the scripture would say to us. If wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler, we can place marijuana in that category too. It's not wise. Those who would be led away by, it's not wise. Even though it's not in the scripture, there's biblical principles that can guide our lives. If we pray and ask God to speak to us about these things, he will. Third, seek wise counsel. Proverbs 15, 22 says, plans fail when there is no counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Find people who are godly, number one, and wise, number two, and if they happen to be an expert in the field that you're looking at, even better, right? But godly, number one, wise, number two, Expert in the field, even better, right? That's just, that's like the cherry on top of the ice cream sundae if you find somebody like that. And ask them, hey, I'm facing this in my life. I don't know what to do. What do you think about this? Is there anything that, that you've seen in your experience with the Lord as you've walked with him or anything from the scripture you might speak to me and say to me about this? And oftentimes you'll be surprised. A couple of years ago, we had a decision to make about some repairs that we needed to make on our home. And we were basically looking at three different ways that we could kind of pay for these repairs. One would have been that we could have taken a, uh, like a home equity line out and just paid for the repairs on our home. It would have been fine. One would have been that we could have uh, run down our cash reserves that we have because, you know, Around here, we're going to teach you financial peace if you show up at Judson Baptist Church. Pastor Jack's not kidding around over here. He's sitting right over there. We're going to teach you financial peace, right? So, so we could have run down our, our financial reserves and done it like that, our, our emergency fund. Or I had an asset that I could have sold, and we could have paid for it probably fully right then. Well, when I have a financial question, there are generally three people that I call. I always call my dad. And I say, what do you think about this? You know, I mean, what would you do if you were in my situation? I always call my father-in-law. 
Uh, because I often feel like I've got two pastors in the family, right? But they approach things very differently. They, 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 come to, they come to the same conclusions a lot of times, but very differently. And then normally I'll sit down with Pastor Jack and say, what would you do about this? This is what I'm looking at. This is, this is what I need to do. And I was pretty certain, I told Kathy, I think that we need to just sell this, this asset over here, be done with this, just pay this thing and be, move on with it. She was like, man, I don't know. I, I don't know if we should do it that way. And so I called my dad. He said, you're crazy. Don't get rid of that. Just pay it out of your cash reserves in your house. And I was like, what? Really? Is that really what you think? So I called my father-in-law. No, don't get rid of that asset. Pay it out of your cash reserves. I was like, Pastor Jack, he's going to be the fly in the ointment. He's going to help me. He's going to see it my way. No, don't get rid of that. Pay it right out of your cash reserves and do it. Well, Lord, I guess you've spoken, you know, right there. That's what you do. You find people that are wise. You find people that are understanding. You ask them for help. Now, can I give you a a caveat to this? Please don't go around finding the one person that's going to tell you exactly what you want to hear for the decision that you've already made up in your mind. That's not wisdom. That's immaturity. And it shows a lack of wisdom when we do that, doesn't it? We don't need to be finding people that will just speak to us. Can, Can I just tell you that these three things mean a lot to me, especially number three, as I lead our church. We're a pastor-led church, but I gotta be honest with you. I, I don't make, I don't know any decisions just unilaterally, just this is what we're doing. I believe in wise counsel. Uh, even this morning, the reason that we went to a 10 a.m. service only is because I listened to wise counsel, maybe. David, that was your fault, you and Nathan. <laughs> If you're looking for why we did this, I didn't know it was going to snow until they came. Well, it didn't. Has it started? No, I don't think so. Uh, You know what we did? We talked about it. We made the best decision that we could. We talked to a couple of folks on our ministry team. I talked to our deacon chairman, Joe Roberts. I talked to our finance committee chairman, Alan Paninski. said, hey, what... What do you think? This is what we're thinking. They agreed with the decision. We made the decision. You know, we don't, we're just trying to make this. We're trying to get wise counsel. But can I tell you a, a funny thing that happens sometimes is that sometimes you think you're making a decision about one thing and God actually had something else in store for you. On Thursday, after we'd made this decision, I found out that two of our pastors had COVID and uh, one of our preschool directors wasn't going to be able to be here, sit with the family and different things like that. I mean, just decimated by these things. We're going to be scrambling to be able... Sometimes, even when you think you are answering one question, you trust the Lord and lean not on your own understanding, he's answering another. It's not bad. I hope that this year, you won't be detoured by bad decisions. I hope that you'll trust the Lord for the decisions that you have to make, that you'll seek him, search for him in these things. Ask him for wisdom. Lean on his understanding. Seek wise counsel. Because I believe that as you do that, God might have a different car for you to buy this year than you would have bought or a a different vocation for you to think about or a different place for you to live than you would have thought about before. And he's working all things together for our good. He's going to lead us and he's going to guide us. That's what we want for our church this year too, isn't it? As we talk next week, We're going to have some great things to inform you about that have happened over the last year and some things that we're looking forward to in this year. And 
we just believe as we get into Vision Sunday next week that, that God has some great things in store for us. And we're seeking his wisdom for some of those things. We'll be able to share with you how God's wisdom has exceeded our wisdom and what we could have planned for and how he's just done some great things in our midst over the last few years. We're excited about that. I hope today that you'll be safe. I hope that you'll get to play outside some wherever you're living and that it'll be fun. And I look forward to seeing all of you back next week. I'm gonna ask you to do this. I wanna pray for us. Then I'm gonna give us some announcements and then uh, Kirk and the gang's gonna come back up here and uh, they're gonna sing for us and lead us in a closing song. So let me pray for us. Father, we ask today for your wisdom. We ask it for your church. We ask it for our lives. We ask it for our families. Lord, we wanna be in step with you. We wanna follow your ways. Lord, we need your wisdom. We need your understanding. We trust you and acknowledge that today. And for the one who's never given their life to you, Lord, we pray for them this morning that today would be the day of salvation where they fully trust you and lean into you. God, we thank you that even in in decisions we think we're making, sometimes you're having us make them for reasons we couldn't have seen. God, we thank you that you spare us from all harm like that. And God, you lead us into those green pastures where you allow us to lie down and rest. Father, I pray today that today would be a day of rest for us as we recharge. And it's been so good to be in your house. It's been so good to preach your word, to sing these songs, to be with everyone, Lord, who's, who's watching online. Lord, I pray our, our, our time together will have been beneficial for them and that you would bless them, Lord, with your richest blessings. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.